You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. Let's get our Bibles out, open them up to Romans chapter 8, as we dive into the last message in our series, Redemption, God's Great Plan, and this week's message is about glorification. This week's message is about the prize that's been completed. You know, we live in a world where going for the prize is big in our society. Um, that might be in the workplace and you're, you're going for um, a bonus. And, uh, and when that comes, that's like a big surprise. And it's a prize uh, that you win. Uh, in a couple months, up at the Markham Fair, there are going to be a bunch of animals walking around with little clips on there with ribbons on them and, and pies with stuff and people walking around because they won a prize. And uh, we look forward to getting the prize. Prize is big in sports. Uh, whether it's the Stanley Cup in hockey or the Grey Cup in Canadian football or the World Cup in soccer or the the World Series championship in baseball or or those crazy guys who walk around playing golf and in the Masters they play for a green jacket. And all of it is aimed at how do I get the prize? Uh, We live in a world that's filled with the prize. Well, hey, as a follower of Jesus Christ, at the end of the redemption process is glorification. The most amazing prize that we could ever have is still coming uh, for us. In 2 Timothy 4, 7-8, Paul said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept faith. Henceforth there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So we've been talking about redemption. We've been talking about our salvation. The technical term is soteriology. It's the doctrine of of our salvation. And it's an amazing work of God. And it's an amazing work of God that started before we even wanted it. When we were dead in our trespasses and sins. When we were enemies with God. God begins this work. and, And then he brings it to fulfillment in glorification. And we've been on the journey. And we're so thankful to God because his work is awesome for us. And um, so we want to jump in and talk about glorification, the prize completed. What does that look like for you? What does that look like for me? And we're going to jump into the topic out of the text in Romans chapter 8. So let's stand together. We want to honor God as we read his word. And I'm going to start at verse 18, Romans chapter 8. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And then down to verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Let's pray. Father, we hold in our hand your word, the truth that you have preserved for us. And those last words, those he justified, he 
he glorified. Father, we think about those words and, and what do they mean and what's in store for us as followers of Jesus Christ? What do we look forward to? We pray that this uh, last message in this series might be a message of great hope, but also a message of great challenges. The Lord, how do you want to use us in the days that lead up to, to this transformation, this final work in our salvation that you do for us? Lord, how should we then live? So Lord, give us ears to hear what you have to say from your word today. Give us minds to be able to comprehend as best we can as we look forward and then give us faith, God, to passionately live out for the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. Well, as we've been going through this series, started last summer and finishing up uh, this summer, the realization that the work of God in our redemption uh, purchasing us, buying us back, making things right, satisfying the wrath of God is an amazing work. It's filled with all kinds of pieces to it. And a couple of weeks ago, we launched out of the verse in 2 Corinthians 5.18 that says, all this is from God. All this is from God. So as we get focused today on glorification, what is still to come, let's remember what God has done. Let's remember what he has accomplished for us in this awesome work. God has elected us and predestined us. He chose us and called us. We are reconciled by God. We are reconciled to God. We are redeemed. We are purchased. We have no condemnation. God's wrath is satisfied. There's forgiveness for all our trespasses. All our sins are removed. We've been crucified, buried, and raised with Christ. We're free from the law. We're delivered from the law. We're children of God. We're born again. We are a new creation. We are regenerated. We are made righteousness in God by Christ. We are made righteous in God by Christ. We are sanctified positionally the moment we trust Christ. We are made accepted in the beloved. We are delivered from the power of darkness. We are a, a holy and a royal priesthood. We are a chosen generation. We are a holy nation. We are a people of God's own possession. We have access to God. We have his inheritance. I'm eternally a heavenly citizen. I have the Holy Spirit. I have made, been made just as if I'd never sinned in my justice. Justification. I have been adopted as a child of God. We are united with Christ. We are acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. We are being sanctified, becoming more and more like Jesus Christ every day as we look forward to glory. And every true believer is persevering to the end. We're going for the glory. We're going for the prize. And it's all that God has done and what he's accomplished for us in our life. Now that's pretty awesome, isn't it? Yeah, so as you think about that, go ahead if you want, as you think about that, now we get our eyes fixed forward. See, the interesting thing about this message, a much more difficult message to prepare for me, because all of those things I just talked about in the list, I've experienced them all. All of those things have already happened in my life and or are happening. I am being sanctified. I am persevering. But glorification is still to come. It's the not yet part, but it's an amazing part as we think about what God will do for his children, what God is doing in our lives. Uh, Grudem said this, I'll be up on the screen for you. Death brings a completion to one part of the Christian sanctification. At death, a Christian soul is immediately made perfect and enters into the presence of God. At death, a Christian soul is immediately made perfect and enters into the presence of God. But it isn't until Christ's return that a Christian experiences full perfection for both body and soul. 
For at that time, their bodies will be raised and made perfect as well. That's what glorification is. It's another work of God. Now, you don't do this work. God does this work. And you have a new body. Um, everyone who has died, uh, Sue's dad passed away. He used to sit in the front row. He's in heaven right now. But there's another part of glorification that's still coming for him. Now, you, you know, we think about it in the time frames of our earth. And it's like, well, he's in heaven. He's just sitting there waiting for this to happen. Believe me, he's in heaven worshiping Jesus. But there's a final peace that's still to come. He's in a place where a day is like a thousand years, or a thousand years is like a day, and so it's just a, a blank for him. And it's all going to be fulfilled. It's all going to be done. Glorification is coming, and it's coming for every follower of Jesus Christ. Glorification is the culmination of our hope. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, We are of good courage. We would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Do you ever think about that? Do you ever even stop and think about being at home with the Lord? Or are you, like I am so often, so this world oriented, we don't stop and think about the next peace that is coming, which is the eternity peace for us. See, eternal life began the moment you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's when eternal life starts, and it goes on from now for eternity. But this glorification piece that happened, it's not happened yet. I know, I get up in the morning and this body still groans. There's something way better that's coming. And that's what God is doing for us. So we want to kind of unpack this idea, this principle, this scriptural truth of, of glorification. We'll look at four different things this morning. And so here's the first one. Let's get into a bit of a definition. It kind of gives us the bones that we can uh, hang everything on here. And so uh, here's a definition for you of glorification. Glorification is the future and final work of God in the application of redemption for all Christians, where he transforms our mortal physical bodies to the eternal bodies in which we will dwell forever. This is not a message specifically about heaven. We're going to talk about heaven, but that could be a whole series what we want to talk about and, and how glorification is impacted and how we get to heaven and all the rest of it, but, but glorification is the working of God in our lives where so many other things are happening, where sin is being taken out, where our mortal bodies are taken away, and this is what God is doing. Um, in illustration, there's a number of things that uh, we can see about this. Um, here's the first one, that all of the redeemed, all of the redeemed, when Christ will come uh, the second time are going to be impacted, are going to be affected, are going to receive, and are going to have a glorified body, and glorification will happen in their life. Um, glorification is the granting, really, of the completed sanctification, that being set apart for God. Remember when we talked about that? We talked about sanctification as three parts. There's the sanctifying work of God that happens the moment you, are tr you trust Christ, you are sanctified, but then there's the progressive sanctification, that's the going on in our lives every day, like now, right now, becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. I'm not what I was, I'm not what I should be even yet, the things in my life I'm growing up in, I'm not even what I will be, but I'm sure not what I was. That's progressive sanctification. But in glorification, we come to this last phase, the fulfillment of sanctification. It includes the removal of a sinful flesh. Boy, do I look forward to that. The temptation and the evil and all those things that are before us all the time. The creation of a new glorified body. 
with direct and unhindered access to God's presence. Now, I can go to God's presence anytime, but in heaven, every day, in the presence of the Lord. How awesome is that? How amazing is that? Enjoying communion with him throughout eternity in heaven. In heaven. Well, that's just a huge bonus that comes, although I think when we really think about it, it's really secondary. We're going to see that a little further in the message when we think about heaven and think about Jesus Christ and all happening because God's work in our redemption is finished and it'll be completed in our glorification. So let's put a little bit of meat on those bones and look at some details here. Um, at some level, every Christian is or should be looking forward to heaven, looking forward to glory. The Bible says a lot about this. It starts back in the Old Testament, and you could use a lot of verses. I chose one, Psalm 23, 7, after going through the valley and, and by the still waters and in the meadow and all the rest of that picture, the Lord is my shepherd. The last verse, verse 6, says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. David's like, you're with me all the days of my life. And then he goes to this, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As he had his eyes fixed on the forever. 1 Corinthians 2, 7-9 says, But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. No matter how well I could paint a picture for you today, I can't begin to paint the picture of what glory will be like. We can't. We can't even imagine. It's going to be so far better than what we ever thought it could be. John 3.16, For God loved the world so much he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. 1 Peter 1.4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. I go to prepare a place for you. How awesome is that? That God is preparing a place for us. Hey, hey. How much time do you ever spend thinking about that? You're so wrapped up in this world, so wrapped up in today, so wrapped up in the details of this life that you never stop and realize that this is really just the blip on the way to eternity. This is just the, this is the intermission before we get to the real thing. And it's coming for us. And there's so much hope for us. And we've talked in this series how we live every day out of the work of the gospel, out of the work of our salvation. When you put your feet on the floor in the morning, we should be thanking the Lord for our salvation. All those things I talked about in the list. And we should be thanking the Lord for the fact he's gone to prepare a place for us. And it's going to be amazing and it's going to be awesome what God has for us. See, that's what a glorification will do. That's the focus of that we want to have. Well, when does it take place specifically? Well, 1 Corinthians 15, 52 says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. 
people who've died and gone before us are in heaven. They're worshiping together, but there's a final peace for them as well as it will be for us when Christ returns and we are going to have a glorified body and we are going to be in heaven and we are going to be worshiping the Lord. And that's an awesome thing that God is doing. You know, some verses that often are used at the end of a service called a, a doxology um, in Jude 24 and 25, and we're encouraged when we hear them, but a lot of the focus of those words are, are the next world. Um, Jude 24, 25 says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, that's a great hope, and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be majesty, dominion, authority before all times, now and forevermore. Whenever the Bible talks about our glorified body or this topic of glorification, in every place except for one, it's a future verse. It's always talking about this is still coming. This is still coming. The one place where there's any indication that something has happened now was actually in the text we read in Romans chapter 8 and verse 30. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. And that really speaks of the sealing of this. It speaks of the hope of this. It speaks of this is a done deal. You don't have it yet. It's coming for you. Everywhere else in the Bible talks about this is a still coming thing. This is what God has done for you. This is what God has for you. It's something that should cause us to have great hope. It's something that's still to be revealed. It's something that we're going to obtain. We haven't obtained it yet. I, I got out of bed this morning. Parts of me hurt. I don't have a glorified body. It arrives with the second coming of Christ at the day of judgment. And it's eternal. And there'll be some changes for us. Uh, Paul wrote about this in Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. It says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So I'm going to have a glorious body that's like Jesus Christ's glorious body. See, my citizenship, although I know I have a passport that says I'm a Canadian, but that's for the now, but I have a greater passport because my citizenship isn't here. My hope isn't here. What I'm looking for is not found in this world. It's found in what Christ has accomplished and what's coming for us. Our citizenship is in heaven. It's in heaven. I'm going to have my lowly body will be like his glorious body. So we think about what will it be like in heaven? Well, we think about the body of Christ after his resurrection. There were some things about it we know. First of all, it was recognizable that people could tell who he was. So probably we'll be able to recognize each other in heaven. Um, here's another thing. Um, he ate. He ate food. Um, he didn't have to eat food. He won't need food. My wife is so thankful that when we get to heaven now, I don't believe we'll be married in heaven, so that's not going to be a problem for her, but this whole eating thing is a real pain in the neck for her. Um, she would just assume not. And I'm like seven, noon, and five. If I'm not eating by 5.15, I'm getting hangry. Right? And some of you are like that. Don't be so pious. You're like that. And, um, it's not going to be like that in heaven. But there's a banquet coming in heaven. It's going to be an amazing thing. We're going to see in a minute about this. We're going to talk about communion. And, and what does that mean as we look forward to heaven? 
And so I'll have a body that's recognizable. I'll have a, a body that uh, we will eat. We're going to a banquet when we, we get there. Um, in Jesus' body, he was able to appear in a room even though the door was locked. Maybe that'd be cool. We actually be able to like, go through the wall and just show up and go, surprise, I'm here. I, I don't know. We're going to have a body like the body that Jesus Christ had. It's going to be so different than the one we have right now. So much is unknown about this. There's some little inklings for us to hope in and, and, and even in the right sense, dream dreams about being in heaven for eternity. But here's a great thing. We'll be with the Lord forever. Our sin will be removed. Finally, it's all over. We'll have a glorified body. In 1 Corinthians 15, 42 to 44, it says, So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. What is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. What is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. What is sown in a natural body is raised in a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. And so we're going to have a new body. It's going to be imperishable, no longer subject to disease or aging or death. It's going to be a glorious body, full of splendor. It's going to be an immortal body, living forever, never dying, never decaying. And it's coming for us as followers of Jesus Christ. When we are glorified. What a work of God. What a hope. And so we have this definition and we have a, a little bit of the details. And so, so now let's talk about the destination. When we think about glorification, let's talk about the destination. And there's two parts to the destination we want to talk about. The first one is the place. In my glorified body, I'm going to be in a place. That place is called heaven. It's a place that's being prepared for us in John chapter 14, 1 to 3. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So there's the hint. There's a place, there's a place we're going that where Jesus Christ is, there we can be as well. Some 276 times heaven is mentioned in the scriptures. In 2 Corinthians 12, 1 to 9, Paul talks about being caught up into the third heaven. But then he was told not to explain, not to try and reveal what he experienced when he was there. So scripture talks about three heavens. So what are they? Well, the first one, uh, Sue and I experienced uh, the other night. A storm was coming in. We were standing on the front porch. We were listening to the thunder. We could see the lightning. And then the rain started to pour out of the sky. That's the first heaven. It's, it's the clouds. It's, it's right there, and you can see it. The next level of heaven, level number two of heaven, we can see it as well. It's the interstellar. It's outer space. You, you look up in the night sky and you see the stars. If you know where to look, you can see a planet. That's the, that's the second heaven. But the third heaven is the heaven that Christ has gone to prepare for us. It's heaven we haven't seen yet. It's heaven we haven't been blessed with yet. There's some inklings of it in Revelation, but we, we haven't been there. It's what we're looking forward to. It's what Jesus Christ has gone to prepare for us. And when I think about how God prepared our salvation for us and how awesome that is, how much more awesome is what we're going to have for eternity going to be for us in this place that's called 
It's called heaven. It was interesting. My uh, grandkids were here last night, and uh, I read from Revelation 21, 21. And so when we got home last night for family devotions, I I read some more of those verses about heaven. Um, This is not a message about heaven. This is a message about glorification. Heaven is what we get in it. But um, Jessica was so impressed because it talks about the gates. Gates made out of pearls. Each gate is a pearl. So she's imagining her mom's necklace with a little pearl on it. Like each gate is a pearl. Like that's mega pearls, right? And uh, where do you get all that stuff? Well, Revelation 21, 22. Go home and read that over this afternoon and just understand and take a glimpse of how heaven will be, how awesome it is. But in Revelation 21, 21, in the 12 gates were 12 pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the streets of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass, the purest of pure gold. If you watch TV for any time, you got some guy on there going, gold, gold, bring us your gold. You know, we'll melt it down, we'll sell your gold and all the rest. And we're all wrapped up in this stuff in this world and in heaven, gold is called pavement. Like what are you looking for in this world? We get so caught up in these things. We get to heaven it's asphalt. Street paved with gold, pure, pure gold because heaven is going to be awesome. Heaven will be Amazing. Heaven is what's being prepared for us. It's a place for us to go and worship Almighty God. It's a place with beauty that's beyond our imagination. It's a place that possesses the glory of God and the presence of God. In heaven, there'll be no need for lights. There's no need for a sun. There's no need for a moon because the Lord himself is the light. The city is filled with brilliant and costly stones and crystal clear jasper, 12 gates, 12 foundations on the Garden of Eden. Eden is restored, the river of the waters of life flowing freely from it. All of this God is preparing for those who love him, those who put their trust in Jesus Christ, those who um, transferred their hope from what they hoped for and put their hope in Christ alone. They brought from death to life through the regenerating work of God. It's all coming. It's coming for us. Heaven is a place of no mores. No mores. We get to heaven, there'll be no more tears. We get to heaven, there'll be no more pain. We get to heaven, there'll be no more sorrow. We get to heaven, there'll be no more separation because death will be conquered. And so when we think about the destination, we think about the place. But when we think about the destination, there's also a sense that we need to think about the person. Because the destination of heaven, I believe, is about the place. I believe we look forward to that. But I think that's so this world kind of focused. I wonder what my place will look like. And we get all wrapped up in that. And The destination of heaven is about a person. It's about being with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about being with him for eternity. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. We'll always be with the Lord. We're going to be with Jesus Christ for eternity in heaven. And although heaven is going to be awesome, the place is going to be amazing and all the rest of it, the glory of God will be there. And somehow I think that stuff's going to be kind of in the shadows of the glory of God. 
We will worship the Lamb. We will sing praises to our God. And we're going to have a feast with Jesus Christ. You know, when, when uh, the Lord instituted communion, the Lord's table, whatever you want to call it, on the night before he was betrayed, he said, do this. Remember my body. Remember my blood. So you never forget what I've done for you. And so once a month, we have communion in our church so that we won't forget the work of Christ in our redemption, in our salvation. But communion also looks forward. It looks forward to being in heaven in Matthew chapter 26, 26 to 29. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread. And after blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup when he'd given thanks and he gave it to them saying, drink of it all of you for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day, until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. We'll finally have it all figured out and we'll be with Jesus. And we'll do this again and be in awe in absolute worship with a focus on the king because we have this destination of heaven but we also have this destination of a person where we will go and worship Jesus Christ the Lord a relationship fully restored now finally and forever fulfilled we'll have a focus on praise and adoration and glory and worship and it's all ours for eternity God help me get my eyes off of this little thing going on right now and get my eyes lifted up to what God is doing and how he is working so that I will live faithfully now for his glory looking forward to the kingdom that is to come for every true follower of Jesus Christ well, the last point then is, what about desire? What about our desire? Do you long for heaven? As I get older, I find it easier to do that. When I was 30, it's like, who's longing for heaven, right? If somebody was to say to me, you know, do you want to go to heaven today? I'd be kind of like, uh, maybe next week, Lord. Right? You're like that. You're just as carnal as I am about those things, so don't deny it. That's because we've got a wrong world focus. We're, we're so focused on this world. Well, why don't we want to go right now? Well, there's maybe things that are left undone or a relationship I have. What will people think and all the rest of it? And Do you have a desire to go and be with Jesus Christ? It's interesting what Paul said about that. He said in Philippians 1, 21 to 23, for to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. That is far better. But he says, for to me, to live is Christ. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labors for me. So he's on a, I'm ready to go, Lord. Whenever you want to take me, Lord, you can take me today. That would be wonderful, Lord. But if you leave me here, and if I stay here, I want to be fruitful for you. 
I want to be as fruitful as I possibly can in this little time I have in getting ready for eternity. Do you think like that? Do you think, Lord, you've given me this opportunity today. I want this opportunity to be used for your glory as I get ready for what's coming for eternity. Lord, help me to think more like that. Help me to get a focus that's more like that. Because the flip side to glorification for the follower of Christ is what happens to the person who's not a follower of Christ. And this is the opportunity for the fruit of our labor. See, Paul wanted to take everybody he could with him to heaven. Now, Paul didn't save anybody. The Lord Jesus Christ does that work. The regenerating work is a work of God. But he wanted to be used by God best he could as much as possible so that as many people as possible would go to heaven. He wanted them to have what he would have. Help me to think more like that. Help me to have that desire more in my life. You ever heard uh, somebody say this? They said, um, you know, Christians don't die. Christians don't die. And I'm like, "Mm, I've just done too many funerals. We die. So in one sense, the statement is 100% true. And in another sense, the statement's not true at all. Right? So we go back to the very beginning for a moment because we have to understand this because there's a second death that's coming for those who aren't being glorified and it's an important thing for us to understand. So we go back to the beginning with Adam and Eve and remember when they fell in their sin and they died spiritually. The day they, they sinned, they didn't die physically, they kept on living. They died spiritually. Later on, they died physically. Their way to heaven is the same way our way is through faith in God. They were in a faith to God that was looking forward to what Christ would do. We now understand what Christ has done. But, but they died. They died spiritually first, and then they died physically. When you were born, you were born physically. But you were dead spiritually. You weren't alive spiritually. You were dead spiritually. Ephesians 2 tells us he made us alive in Christ Jesus. And so as a follower of Jesus Christ, you became alive spiritually the moment you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. And so you will die physically. Unless the Lord comes and takes you, you're going to die physically. But this is where that statement is true. You're not going to die spiritually. You're more and more, you can't be more alive than you are the moment you physically die. And you're going to be with the Lord and you're going to be there for eternity and you're going to be alive. But the people who have never trusted Jesus Christ, right now they're alive physically, but they're dead spiritually. And the moment that they die physically, they're dying the second death spiritually. The second death is separation from God for eternity in hell. See, we look forward to eternity with God in glory in a glorified body. The unbeliever, don't look forward to, but the unbeliever is going to be separated from God forever in hell. It's called the second 
It's called the second death. Pastor, do you have a verse for that? I wouldn't have said it if I didn't. Revelation 21.8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, is the key word, the detestable as for murderers and sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake of, that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So Paul's like, for me to depart and be with Christ is far better, but that's not obviously what's up for me for now, so I want to be as fruitful as I can right now for his glory. I have a desire to go and be with the Lord, but I have a desire to take as many people as I can with me along the journey so my family members and my neighbors and my co-workers, as best I can, as God gives opportunity, I want to live a life before them. I want to give a word on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we talked to a lady at the end of this serve, last service. She came up and said, a friend of mine, I've died just this past week, and she's been asked to do a eulogy at the funeral, right? Person saved, not saved, not sure. That makes it difficult. This person who died started to attend a Mormon church, so the funeral's probably going to be Mormon. And she's been asked to say something. How do you give a word for the Lord in that context? But she has a desire to do what's right, and we talked to her, and What's your passion? As long as God gives you breath on this earth. See, I've said in, in this room many, many, many times, I've talked to parents who like, a kid's gone sideways or somebody's got a friend and they've gone sideways and whatever. And as long as they have breath, there's hope. As long as they have breath, there's hope. You don't ever give up. As long as there's breath, there's hope. But for the unsaved person, the moment they die physically, they die the second death God, help us to have a passion for them. We have such a desire in our life for heaven that other people would see it. They'd want to know the reason of the hope is in us, and they'd be going after that. Our desire should be toward glory and to do all that we can to take as many people as possible with us. Acts 4.12 says there is salvation in no one else. Paul couldn't save anybody. You can't save anybody. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So the gospel of Jesus Christ, this soteriology, this salvation we're talking about, is this free gift that God offers to us. And believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other path. There is no other way. There's one way to God, and it is through Jesus Christ. And today, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, the hope of eternity with God in heaven as opposed to the reality of eternity separated from God in hell, is found in Jesus Christ. And it's by believing in the work of Christ, transferring your trust from who you thought you were and what your hope was in, and putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, and you will be saved. You can do that right where you sit. It's just an understanding. It's the understanding that I'm a sinner separated from God. I can't fix the problem. Jesus Christ fixed the problem. And I'm transferring my trust, my hope to Christ alone for my, my salvation. Well, for followers of Christ, what should this desire do for us or help us with? And so there's, here's four things real quick. First of all, um, when we mourn for Christian loved ones who die, we do it differently because we'll be reunited with them in the presence of Christ. And so we look forward to that. It shapes our thinking. It shapes how we live as we think about people who've gone before us. 
The reality of, of glorification, it helps us to think about how we will face death one day. I watch people who are in a hospital who are dying and I see a peace in followers of Jesus Christ that just blows me away. They have a hope. They get to that place of like, okay, it's time to go. I'm ready to go. Let's go. Um, we saw it in Sue's dad. We saw it in a young adult who came to our church here. Sue and I went to visit her in the hospital the night she died. And she was like, I'm ready to go. I don't want to hang around here anymore. It's time to go and be with Jesus. See, a right view of God, a right view of our salvation, a right view of our hope it changes our view of where we're going. And do we understand it? No, I don't understand it all, but I know who I have believed. And I trust by faith that the one who's done all of this in my salvation is going to take it and accomplish it all for his glory. It changes how we spend our life. That's the third thing. You can't have this and not be changed. And fourthly, it energizes us to share the gospel. Because God, I want everybody to have what I have. Best I can, Lord, as you open the doors. I know you have to do the work, but make me faithful as I look forward to what has, as I look at what has been done and looking forward to what is coming, Lord, give me a passion for the people around me. Well, so what? So what? You know, I'm looking forward to a new body. Yeah, I've lost some weight and I feel better, but this old creaky thing's starting to hurt sometimes. And I'm looking forward to a new body. I'm looking forward to a new body in a new place with a new focus, with a fulfilled and complete understanding. I'm looking forward to understand better even what the psalmist was saying in Psalm 23, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm looking forward with that hope because of redemption is paid in full, no hell that is deserved, eternal life that is undeserved. I'm looking forward to a completed, restored relationship and worship with God in heaven. How awesome is that? You know, last summer, the first message that we did in this series, and we started in, when we sang a song called, I Am Redeemed. In the middle of that song, there's a line that says, a hope that will carry me home. I am redeemed. Paul said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I am redeemed.